Welcome to The Gathering Place, a Blessed is She podcast. We're so glad you're here. Come chat with us about Jesus, prayer, community, and life. So let's get started. Hey, Beth. Hey, Jenna. How's it going? Couldn't be better. I'm sitting here with my friend Claire Dwyer. Cannot wait to chat with you, Claire. Welcome. It's so good to be here. It's good to be in person. I know. With people. We've been doing a lot of Zoom style (laughs) meetings these last few months, and it's a joy to actually look in somebody's eyes in real time. Yeah. For us too. Thanks for making the trek. Absolutely. Claire, would you mind introducing yourself? Sure. I'm a wife and a mom here in the Phoenix area. I have six kids, 22 down to eight. My oldest is about to get married. Wow. Which wow. Is, that's a new season of life God is inviting me into. So we'll see. I work from home full time for the Avila Foundation, doing a lot of writing and editing primarily on their website, spiritualdirection.com, which is one of the greatest joys of my Mm -hmm. life to be a part of the church and that apostolate. We are primarily, I would say, an apostolate for those who are all in to their faith and have said yes to Jesus and yes to the church, but want to know, okay, how do I live this Mm -hmm. life? You know, how do I really embrace the call to holiness? And so that's kind of how we see our mission. So I enjoy that. And I also write and I have a blog called eventhesparrow.com where in my 37 seconds of free time a week. (laughs) I try to be present on there. So great to be here. Yeah. Thanks, Claire. I have to say, it's a joy to read your writing. Your writing is such a gift to me. And your work with the Avila Foundation is a great blessing to me. You're very spirit-led in your ministry, in your life, I think. And it shows. It connects. Well, we have a lot of great contributors, and we try to focus on the spiritual life. So you won't find a lot of like moral theology or you know current events kind of things, although it all you know touches each other to mm-hmm. some degree. But it's kind of a nice escape from all of the external things and really an invitation to spend time with the Lord and develop your interior life and to explore what He's doing in your heart. Okay. Can I talk about my best memory of Claire? My first best memory was when you came to the Blessed Is She Night in Phoenix at St. Andrews. Yep. And do you remember what you talked about? The Eucharist. Yeah. It is like mind-blowing. The Eucharist is mind-blowing. Truly. (laughs) Truly. And I mean, Fulton Sheen, you just shared so much of his story too, which was so captivating. He just had such a compelling argument for us to be in front of the Eucharist on a daily basis, if possible. Yes, absolutely. I was telling the story that he had shared about a little girl in China who had uh, received the Eucharist every day after the communists or a similar political, you know, group had taken the Eucharist from the tabernacle and thrown it onto the floor of the church and forbade anybody from going in and then locked the priest up in the church. Mm -hmm. And he witnessed this little girl creep into the church every day risking her life to bow down on the floor and receive the Eucharist on her tongue. And then on the final day, she was discovered and killed and martyred for the faith. And how, you know, in these days, we think it's a hardship to get to the Eucharist and to Mm. receive our Lord. And that really puts it in perspective of what a gift and a treasure this is. So, Yeah. yeah, it's very inspiring. It's beautiful. I've only just gone back for a holy hour twice now. 
in person. Yeah. Yeah. It was just such a gift. As you said, even Claire, being able to look someone in the eye as opposed to through a screen, which is what I'm doing with the Lord when I pull them up. Praise be to God that there's live adoration on YouTube. Mm. But to be able to go in front of him, to be in front of the, the Blessed Sacrament was such a gift to me. Real presence is different. Tangible presence is different. So I've definitely grown in my devotion to the Eucharist and that catapulted it. Oh, that wow. talk. Praise which, God. Yeah. I was so grateful. I still think about it fairly often. We talk about it and reference it. I'm like, you don't know Claire? Oh, <laughs> you didn't hear that talk? <laughs> anyway. Truly, it's the best talk I think we've ever well, had. Well, it wasn't me. It was all just me right. pulling stuff. I mean, we yeah. have this inheritance of faith. And that's one of the great things about being Catholic is mm-hmm. it is a bottomless well. I mean, you just can keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. And the saints have so much wisdom for us. Thanks for inviting me to do that. Anytime. Yeah, I would agree. It is the richness, the beauty, the truth of the faith, but it's also your heart. The way that you receive the faith and communicate it has been a great gift to both of us. Oh, thank you. You're so generous in your praise. Thank you. (laughs) Claire, I would love to just dive a little bit deeper and hear more of your story if you'd be willing to share. Absolutely. I would say, actually, I'll start with the point where I realized I had a story because I think for a long time I thought I didn't. I guess it was about seven years ago, I was helping to organize a women's event here in Phoenix, and we had invited a nationally known speaker to come out and give a retreat. And then there were going to be several other women that were going to give a short testimony as part of the day. And so they asked me, well, you're helping put this on. Do you want to give your testimony? And I said, I don't have a testimony. (laughs) Wow! Um, I really thought that. So I was Mm. raised Catholic. I was cradle Catholic in a devout home. We prayed the rosary every day. I was in Catholic schools. Uh, My parents, they really embraced the faith and lived it very fully and transmitted it to us. And I never left. I went to college at Franciscan University. I studied theology. And, you know, I just believed that I didn't have a conversion point. And I actually thought that was kind of too bad because it wasn't the most exciting life. So I declined. I said, no, I don't have a story. And then the Lord said, you're not giving me very much credit here, are you? And he kind of convicted me of three things Mm -hmm. as I took that to prayer and I really explored it. First of all, we all have a story. And if our story is that the Lord kept us in the church, that is no less a miracle and that is no less an act of His mercy and grace than if He went to the ends of the world to bring us back. Wow. So praise Amen. God for that. Mm-hmm. Probably he knew that if I left, I'd never come back. So mm-hmm. it was like, I know you too well. Anyway. Yeah. What a mercy. It is a mercy. And yeah. for those of us that sometimes we'll hear a story of conversion and feel like, well, God is really moving in their life. I don't have that. Is God really present? Mm. The fact is that in everyday life, He is keeping you close to His heart, and that is a particular grace that He has for you. So claim that, embrace it, and thank Him for it, which was something I don't think I fully realized. So I had to go back and say, I'm sorry, actually, I will. (laughs) And give Him the glory for that and to tell my story in that context. So that was kind of a profound realization. And then he also taught me, as I explored that a little bit more with him, that yes, I actually had had a conversion moment. And by that, I will tell you that one of the byproducts, I think, of being raised in my family of origin was that I was raised in an environment that was a little bit scrupulous. And by that, we mean that there's this kind of focus on my part in my own salvation, 
And am I doing it right? And that constant visiting and revisiting, am I in a state of sin? And is this okay? And is this enough? I have this memory as a child of walking myself to confession because I was afraid of going to hell. And in this day and age, that's really not the norm. I mean, I think as a culture overall, we tend to slide into the other side of like not having a sense of sin at all. But in some parts, it's a real struggle to believe in God's mercy and grace. And I wouldn't have been able to articulate that as a child or even as a young woman. It was just kind of who I was. And that was probably part of the reason that I was in the church. So, you know, God uses all of those things, even our faults and flaws for his glory. But when I was a young teenager, and I would say overall, that was kind of the environment of my home. That part of the reason that we prayed every day was this kind of rigorous idea that we had to stay good and faithful and um, do the right thing. But when I was a young teenager, I do remember the day that I noticed there was like this new little booklet on my parents' bedside tables, and it was called Life in the Spirit. I'm a reader, so like I would notice whenever anything new would show up on the bookshelf or anything. I was like, well, that's interesting. Um, And I started at that point to notice that my parents were a little bit different. They were a little bit freer in their faith, and they were praying more spontaneously and um, becoming part of a prayer group that was affiliated with the charismatic renewal in the church, which is a real emphasis on prayer to the Holy Spirit and in the Spirit. And then there was another book that appeared on the shelf called Let the Fire Fall by Father Michael Scanlon. So I picked that up and started (laughs) reading, and I was like, who, Holy Spirit, who is this person? It was kind of my first introduction to the Holy Spirit and the power of the Spirit when it's unleashed in the life of a Christian. And through Father Michael's story of his own conversion and immersion in the Holy Spirit and his work at the Franciscan University, I was like, I think I want to go there. So that's how I ended up at Franciscan University. And then once there, I was invited to go through a Life in the Spirit seminar and be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that was radically freeing spiritual Mm. experience. It kind of opened up something within me to expect and accept the mercy of God Mm. in the sense that there was really nothing I could do to save myself and that I just had to be open and available to this incredible power of the Holy Spirit to enter my life and liberate me from this kind of gripping fear that I wasn't enough and I wasn't doing enough and to let Him move and transform my heart into more and more His likeness. And I want to say, too, that sometimes the words baptism and the Holy Spirit kind of frighten people, or yeah. we say charismatic renewal. And But at heart, what we're talking about isn't just one way to a deeper conversion. We're all baptized to have this incredible relationship with Christ, but we have to have a yes to it to unleash the power of the sacrament in our life. And so when we were all baptized, we all received all of God, His whole spirit, everything He had. He didn't parcel out some to Beth and some to Jenna and have like, you know, a certain amount for me. We get the same spirit that St. Therese had and Pope John Paul II had and Mother Teresa. You get all of God. He doesn't Mm. hold back. But at some point in our life, we have to accept it Mm. and we have to say yes to it and avail ourselves of it and open ourselves to that grace to really unleash the power in our life. One way to do that is what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to say, yes, Lord, I am yours. I want the grace of the sacrament of baptism to be fully realized in my life, and I invite the Holy Spirit to begin moving in a radically new way. Sometimes that could happen through a 
consecration to Mary, or mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. sometimes it could happen at a prayer meeting where you allow somebody to pray with you and pray over you, and it could happen at a pilgrimage. Or there's just different ways to do it. That's one way that God's life can begin kind of pulsing through you in a new way. And when we read the Acts of the Apostles, and we can say like, wow, you know, that is really, the things that were happening in the early church seem so amazing and unlike maybe our experience. But the reason for that, one of the reasons for that is that in the early church, when you were baptized, you were often baptized as an adult and you were fully embracing the faith to the point that you were ready to die for it because that was a reality. That was a likelihood actually at that time. So you simultaneously had the work of God in the sacrament and your radical ascent. And so boom, right there, there was this incredible power. And that's why we see the early church like totally on fire. Yeah. In our lives, it can be a process um, of ongoing conversion. I was just watching the sweetest YouTube video (laughs) of this very faithful priest giving a church tour. And he's showing this Protestant, the baptismal font, and he's talking about how babies are held over this font. And he says, this is the beginning of the spiritual life. And that's so different. It's so sweet and subtle as compared to what you're describing, a full and radical conversion as an adult. And yet they're both the power of God at work in our lives. And we are ba- if we're baptized as infants, we're baptized in the faith of our parents which is totally legitimate and good. We should be baptizing our babies so they have that grace for their whole life. But at some point, the Lord will invite us to a new depth of experience where we can really begin to experience His power in our life. How does someone know if they have... Is it just simply a yes at some point? Is it that metanoia of dropping their nets and going towards Him? What I think people want to know, have I done that? How do I do it if I haven't? Yeah, what's the formula? Yeah. (laughs) There is no formula. I think that's the thing. Okay, so let's talk about that for a minute because that was the third thing I think I realized and when I had that experience of God really inviting me to explore His work in my life. Conversion is a lifetime process. There will be key pivotal moments in our life when we will make a more radical act of faith. Even that one time, I actually was baptized in the Holy Spirit twice in that experience. And there's always new grace. And I would be lying if I said I didn't have very transformative, like pivotal moments in my spiritual life since then. In fact, there'd be something wrong (laughs) if I was the same person I was um, after that happened. But, you know, in our church, we have this word that we use a lot called discipleship. And it's incredibly important term in the spiritual life. We're invited to make disciples. We're actually told that that's part of our Christian mission is to become disciples of Christ, followers of Him, and to go out in the world and make disciples. But that's not our vocation. Our vocation is holiness. And discipleship is like the first step of that journey. And so that is a very radical idea, if you think about it, that we are not only called to follow Christ, but to become like Christ and to become one with Him and the Father through the Holy Spirit. And it's a lifetime process that actually doesn't end with our death. It only kind of goes on to its fulfillment. I like to say we begin our heaven while we're here on earth. All that to say that throughout our life, there will be moments of conversion and deepening union with God. In fact, that's the norm. It should be. There's something crucial about growing in holiness. And a lot of the church's 
greatest saints spent their lives teaching about the spiritual journey. It is a journey with degrees of prayer and depths of intimacy and a never-ending journey to God. I'm struck by how you described the most foundational step in discipleship is personal holiness. And I think sometimes we think we age out of that. We have an experience and then we move into something I don't know, I'm thinking like a cause, right? We want to give our life to something, but not very often do I think people commit their lives to personal holiness, the universal vocation. But I do feel like people, they're looking for something to die for. Mm -hmm. It comes from a relationship of great depth and the greatest fruit of an apostolate will be the person who's both Martha and Mary, right? That sits at the feet of Christ and doesn't do something just to do it but does it out of love. And that is the most fruitful kind of apostolate that we can have is one that comes from our own interior life and springs from that naturally. Claire, I loved this moment in your story. Even as you described it, sounded very vivid to me when you saw this little book on your parents' bedside table. And yet that that wasn't a loud experience. That wasn't particularly dramatic. And yet it was the beginning of an unfolding of a really powerful change in your life. And I wonder if maybe some people think they haven't encountered the Lord or they haven't had a conversion or they don't have a story because they've had these beautiful, subtle moments throughout their lives and they're just not giving them credit like the Lord said to you. So can you talk to us a little bit about that, sort of seeing and assigning proper weight to those more subtle movements in our souls and and giving God the credit for them. Oh, that's beautiful. When I look back on that, what's interesting about it is that nothing really happened. All I did was I noticed something Mm. and it was like God saying, I'm doing a thing. Just pay attention. I'm doing a thing. I don't even remember why I remember that, but he wanted me to know that he was beginning something new in my family beginning something in my parents' life. And unknowingly, just by having a book in the home, I began to open myself up to something greater too. So he kind of leaves breadcrumbs. Like we just kind of follow his crumbs to uh, something beautiful. I think it's so important for us to, like you said, notice, even thinking back on our lives. And that set a trajectory for you to go to a university where you're massively transformed just by nature. We are when we, when we go to school and we're engrossed in community life. And that was just a book or two. But for us to say like, yeah, what did send me to this place, which then sent me to this place, which then the Lord did something mightier that right. the other things seemed less. Or maybe it wasn't ever a, a big lightning strike moment. But for us even to think about that, I think what you're saying is there's value in looking back at our story and maybe seeing what those breadcrumbs are. Absolutely. I think a lot of times God reveals what He's doing now when we learn to recognize how He's been present in our lives all along. Mm. He's like, this is how I am in your life. Learn to recognize the signs that I'm moving in your life by going back and seeing where I've been and how I've operated and expect me to show up that way again. Because God is a God of order and He's a God that's recognizable and He hasn't individual relationship with each one Mm. of us that's unrepeatable. He shows up in your life in a way that's different in the way that he shows up in my life because you are different. Isn't that incredible? Mm. So we can learn to recognize the way that he communicates with us and and moves and works in our life and expect him 
to be consistent. He's very consistent. Has he dropped any more books on you? <laughs> oh, my, oh, gosh. My husband's going to kill me if Amazon shows up by my door with any more books. I think that's so beautiful. I have one daughter who loves to read. And that would be a way that I like love her intimately to get her a book that really meant something to me that we could maybe enjoy together. I don't know. I just think that that's so sweet to think that maybe the Lord really moves in your life through, through books. books. Or, He's like, yeah. here I am. Yeah. Notice me. And the words in that in his books really do change my life. Mm. One book that I would recommend actually that did help me to understand that experience of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit and unleashing the sacraments was Sober Intoxication of the Spirit by Father Contalamesa. That was really beautiful. And I will say this too, that the experience of suffering was a tremendous conversion point for me in my life. Just the day-to-day life as a wife and a mom and a dying to self, that was a transformative experience. I mean, it's an ongoing one every day, but God was inviting me even to a deeper relationship with him through the realization that it was only in dying to myself that I would truly discover who I was and who he was and embrace the life that he had for me. Again, it's just this ever deepening experience of encounter and yes. Okay. What do you want from me today, Lord? I'll show up in a beautiful way. Jenna has shared some of your conversations with me, and I've been paying attention to to the ways the Lord has revealed Himself in my story, and I thought it would be easier than it's been, actually. And I approached it kind of the way I tend to approach all prayer, which is like a fact-finding mission. You know, I'm like (laughs) on the hunt and wasn't really coming up with much. And in fact, it was a bit discouraging. I was thinking, gosh, sometimes it's really hard to look back. I was in prayer and he drew my attention to Genesis 15, which is the story of God promising to give Abraham an heir and an inheritance, right? I'll make your descendants as numerous as the stars. And I felt like the Lord was saying, that's for you. There's something here for you. That's my promise to you. I was like, that's insane, first of all. <laughs> also, I'm not going to start a nation and you know all of this. There, there's some resistance there for me. The Lord brought this very subtle memory to mind on my very first high school retreat as a student after, you know, the big night, Saturday night mass and Eucharistic adoration. And he brought to mind this memory of walking back across the camp to my cabin. I was by myself and I looked up and we were in beautiful mountains. And so the sky was really clear and the stars were really bright and there was a shooting star. And I remember even as a kid thinking, that's for me. Like I understood the Lord was speaking to me and saw me and that it was a gift to me. I haven't even plumbed the depths of it, I don't think, because even in the moment I thought, oh, that's silly. That's a coincidence. So for the Lord to connect those two memories, I almost think we can't discover the patterns of God. We can't even see his hand without his help. Okay. Do you know what's really neat about that? I'm just like, uh, I've got goosebumps right now. (laughs) So in the next chapter of Genesis, I think I'm not as good as you are with my chapters, but shortly after that promise, there's another story that has to do with Abraham. And it's the story of Hagar who is pregnant with his child. And there's a little bit of tension between her and Sarah Mm. and she runs away and the Lord meets her as she's trying to run back to Egypt and run back to you know what's familiar and safe. 
And he asks her a question. He calls her by her name and he says, where have you come from and where are you going? And in that question, that's for all of us because I, mm. I, the way that I read it is to mean, where have I been in your life? Have I ever left you? Where do you think you're going without me? And then she, call, she gives him a name. She's, as far as I know, she's the only person in scripture who gives God a name and she gives him the name, the God who sees me. Mm-hmm. And that just is like such a beautiful example of what you're describing that when we come to recognize God in our life, we realize that he sees us and sees us in the sense of knowing us mm-hmm. deeply and intimately in every part of us and every part of our life and our story. He's been there all along. He knows every piece of it. He's got a plan. He knows where we're going and he wants us to be fully along for the ride. And he's going to show up, you know, in the same way that he showed up before. So I want to get back to one thing that you said as part of your story that I love that you eventually shared at that conference. What a gift. But you talked about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I know that that can be a confusing phrase or we don't actually know what that means or what that entails. Would you mind just sharing maybe your definition of it or? Right. And that's scriptural. It comes from, you know, Jesus Christ himself inviting us to be baptized in water in the spirit. It is not another baptism. We are baptized once and definitively, and we receive all the grace at that moment. But it's a way of expressing a reality of the unpacking and releasing of the fullness of the graces of our baptism. It's not a once and done deal. These graces are developed and unveiled throughout our life. And there are key moments when we just say yes in a radical way to operate fully under the power of the Holy Spirit. So when we say baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's really just a way to express a reality where somebody says yes to the Lord and to the way that the Lord wants to work in their life. I think it's imperative that we unleash those graces in our lives. Just with that little example of Genesis 15 and walking back to the cabin as a teenager, I could never have made that connection on my own. It's the Holy Spirit who revealed it. That memory was there all along, but I hadn't given significance to it. I hadn't seen the Lord's hand on it. In fact, I had sort of dismissed it, but it's the Holy Spirit who highlighted it, illuminated it for me, and almost re-gifted it to me. The grace was always there, but I hadn't fully received it. Yeah, I keep coming back to this idea of like paying attention. Mm. It does require a response from us. It requires activity from us, I think, to notice and to pay attention and to sit with something in scripture where you feel resistance and you're like, Lord, what are you trying to tell me something right here? What is it? And for you to sit there long enough to allow that the Holy Spirit is revealing it, but then you respond to it and you say, okay, like maybe there is something here. Mm -hmm. But I do think it always comes back to that like surrendered, yes, I'll invite you in for you to reveal whatever new graces or fresh graces are in maybe an old memory or what's happening right now too. I do think it's that like response, like you were saying, that response to the Holy Spirit. There's a worship leader that we love who oftentimes when she leads and prays, she'll encourage you to stay with something and she'll say, there's something on this. There's something on this. And that's something I think you can only perceive with your spirit because of the Holy Spirit activated in your life. This might not seem like a big deal, this moment when I was a kid and I was walking to church for confession, but the Lord has revealed something about my story, about my heart, 
he's almost foreshadowing a redemption there, right? And it's the Holy Spirit who highlights that for us, draws our attention back to it, and invites us to stay with it. In the end, it's the Holy Spirit that illuminates the story Mm. and says, look what the Father has created you to be. Look what the Son has done for you. Mm. And He's like the light on the path. How do we get baptized? Do we go to the church, (laughs) our pastor, and say, Pastor, can you baptize me in the Holy Spirit? What do we do? (laughs) Read a book? There are different opportunities in prayer groups that are still using that kind of terminology and praying over people for baptism of the Holy Spirit. I would invite anyone that's interested in growing in their faith, because it's not just one way to say yes to the Lord in a radical way, but to find a community Mm. that's living the life of the Holy Spirit that you can recognize, whether it be a prayer group at your church, whether it be a Blessed Is She group, some kind of community. Pray for that. Mm-hmm. because the Lord has created us for community. So there is one for you somewhere. And then just begin to explore the way that God wants you to say yes in a deeper way. Mm-hmm. Often it'll be within that community, there'll be an opportunity for you to kind of ratify your baptism in radical way, say yes to God. I had mentioned Marian consecration too, or consecration to St. Joseph. There's many different apostolates in the church that are inviting people into a deeper relationship with God, either through the saints or through the Holy Spirit. I would just take time in prayer to explore the and ask the Lord, where do you want me to go to find you in a deeper way, to enter into a new kind of life with you, whether that be through consecrating myself or through joining a prayer group and inviting them to pray over me. Maybe you felt a tug on your heart to go on a pilgrimage to a holy place, and maybe the Lord is calling you there because He lives and moves in very specific ways and places, mm-hmm. and maybe He wants to do something in your life you know, through a pilgrimage or a retreat. If you haven't been on a retreat in a while, ask the Lord maybe to open up a door so that you can go away with Him and see what He wants to do in your life and say yes to Him there. These are all such good options. I wonder if someone is hearing this and maybe feeling a little frustrated, like, how do I pin it down? What's the answer? What's the one way? And I think what's so wild and beautiful is that there isn't one way. You could pray listening to this podcast with the desire to know the Holy Spirit, to deepen those baptismal graces and begin to live from that place of power and relationship with the Holy Spirit. And you could be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Just praying in your car right, right now, listening to this podcast. You could pull over right now yeah. and have a downpour moment, right? Yes. Yeah. The Lord wants to give himself to us. He will meet us in our desire. Exactly. And I think the idea of a bunch of free women mm. driving around <laughs> after their downpour moment sounds amazing. Right now on the highway. <laughs> totally. cars pulling over. <laughs> but I just love that idea of like, you notice something in your parents and it was freedom. Mm. I think there's such freedom when we give ourselves over to the Lord. Women living in freedom will change everything. Yeah, we have to get out of this trap. Am I doing it right? Yes. Am I doing it right? Because yeah. there's not one right way. And in the end, it's not us anyway. Yeah. I think that's the the secret ingredient is just this desire, this like surrender. I can't do it myself. So help me. I want you. I need you. One word I love to use is availability. Mm. Am I just available, Lord? Yeah. Cool. Is there enough space in my life for you to even enter? Is there enough silence in my life for me even to hear you when you invite me? Wow. Mm. 
that I can have some control over. <laughs> the rest of it's up to God, but I can create enough space for him to begin to work. Yeah. Claire, thank you so much. I'm personally just so encouraged and enlivened by this conversation. You know, when you were describing like find a community, really just even one person, one good conversation with you makes me want to be holy. So thank you. Thank you for having me. This has been an absolute joy. Can I ask you to close us in prayer? And could I put you on the spot even to just invite the Holy Spirit and lead anyone who's listening to invite the Holy Spirit into their lives? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Holy Trinity, you have created us in your image and your likeness. We praise you and glorify you. We thank you for the gift of the sacraments, in particular your baptism, in which you recreated us. We embrace the grace of that sacrament, and we ask for your help to live it fully to be fully animated by your Holy Spirit. Any areas of our life, Lord, where we have not allowed you to enter, where we have not said yes to you, where the door is still closed, we ask that you would break through. We ask that you would release the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In any way that we're saying no to you, Lord, we ask that you would enter that place, that you would redeem it and restore it and resurrect it come into our hearts with the fullness of your glory. Radiate your love and life into our lives so that we become beacons for a world that is hurting and so desperately in need of you. May those that we encounter sense your spirit and themselves be transformed through the renewal of their own minds and hearts. Finish the work that you have started in us, Lord. Finish the work that you started in our baptism and make us more and more into you. We praise you and glorify you, Lord. And we pray glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was was in the beginning, beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much, Claire. Thank you. This was the best. (laughs) Truly. (laughs) Bye-bye. If you too are longing for community, we're here to help. In fact, we've got a free study guide on the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit available to you on our website. You can get with a girlfriend or a group of friends and lean into the Lord. Yeah, and if you don't have any friends, maybe you're in a new place. We also have a list on our website of all the small groups that might be in your area. So head over to blessedishy.net, type in the search bar community groups, and you can find a group near you. We love you. Have fun.